Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kitramelides, and his eminence, Dr. Sid Lowe. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Philip. Uh, I, I've, I've been called many things in my life. I don't think I've ever been called an eminence before. That's, that's You are great. proper eminent, though, mate. Uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. He doesn't know what to say. I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm trying to think what an eminence... You know, I mean, I sort of feel like that should make me a man of the cloth or something to be called an eminence. Yeah. Okay, well, you are, you are far from a man okay. of the cloth. That's, that's a, a cardinal. Yes. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's get on with the, with the programme. There is a lot for us to uh, talk about. Match day... Uh, 22 just happened in La Liga and it brought with it the following set of results. Uh, on Friday night, Alaves got their first win uh, with Abelardo back in charge for his second spell at the fifth time of asking. A big, big win for them, beating Valladolid by a goal to nil. Valladolid uh, slipping into the relegation zone and in all sorts of trouble. Uh, Saturday saw Levante and Granada play out uh, an entertaining 2-2 draw. Uh, Comandante Morales with the two goals for Levante. He's up to 10 goals for the season now. But a 93rd minute equaliser from Bobby Soldier giving Granada a, a share of the points. Then Real Madrid had to come from behind to beat bottom side Wesker at the Estadio El Alcoraz. Wesker taking the lead, a fabulous goal from Javi Galan. Uh, but two goals from Rafael Varane giving Real Madrid all three points. Uh, Villarreal somehow managed to throw away a 2-0 lead at Elche to draw 2-2. Gerard Moreno had scored two fantastic goals to put Villarreal uh, 2-0 up, but Elche uh, got two goals in the second half. It's Villarreal's 12th draw in 21 matches this season. And then Sevilla beat Getafe by three goals to nil. Uh, all three goals coming in the last uh, 25 minutes or so from uh, Munir. Papu Gomez getting his uh, first goal and Yusuf Ennisiri getting his 13th league goal of the season. Before that, uh, Gene had been sent off for Getafe for a horrible, horrible challenge on Lucas Ocampos. It looked incredibly serious. Uh, Ocampos stretched it off in all sorts of problems, but Turns out it's not as bad as we thought. He is going to be out for a few weeks, uh, but he's not going to be out for months, as we uh, feared. Uh, Real Sociedad beating Cadiz by uh, four goals to one. Uh, first win for Real Sociedad at home uh, for three months in La Liga. A brace for uh, Oyarzabal and uh, Alexander Isak. Cadiz very very, very unhappy with the officiating uh, in this game and their president, uh, Manuel Vizcaino, um, he's been doing the rounds on the radio today. He wrote a sort of open letter as well of um, complaint uh, at the officiating that Cadiz have suffered uh, this season. Athletic Club and Valencia played out a 1-1 draw. Then Osasuna beat Bar, a massive win for uh, Osasuna. Um, they um out of the bottom three and uh, Ante Budimir with the uh, the winning goal three minutes from time. And then Betis 2, Barcelona 3, the final game uh, on Sunday evening produced. What we've come to expect from this fixture, goals. Um, 
it's 41 goals in the last seven games <laughs> between these teams, which is uh, absolute madness, really. Um, we haven't had the Monday night game, which is Atletico Madrid against Celta Vigo. You're planning to go and see this game, Sid, aren't you? I am. I, I was just looking out the window a minute ago and it was hailing. Yes. So I'm, I'm not sure how much I'm looking forward to this, but yes, I, I'm on my way. I mean, to the yeah, there's, 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 is, there's no question that you won't go because of the weather. I mean, if that was no, me, no, no, of course not. Was Hayley, you know, <laughs> I'm too Greek for that. But no, no, Sydney, he's uh, he's out there like a shot. Anyway, so we'll we'll do the pod and then you head off to see the the Monday night game leaders yeah. Atletico who have uh, who have had in the last week or so six COVID positives, um, two more uh, today. No question that the game isn't going to happen tonight, but uh, still, uh, quite a lot of um, Atletico Madrid uh, players have uh, have been uh, testing positive uh, since the start of the uh, of the pandemic. Anyway, uh, we're going to start with the game on Sunday evening. That Betis two, uh, Barcelona three. Noticeable the noticeable team news. Uh, obviously, Ronald Koeman was uh, trying to save himself, save the team uh, some minutes for the midweek Copa del Rey semi final first leg that they have. In Sevilla, Lionel Messi left on the bench. Uh, the only other time he's been on the bench this season, I saw, was also against uh, Betis earlier on this season at the uh, at the camp. Now, when he came off the bench to score to score two goals uh, in a five-two win, um, something pretty similar happened uh, happened here. He scored within a few minutes of of coming on. Basically, uh, basically changed changed the game, Sid. And as as you tweeted, he's quite good. That little guy who came on for Barca, he is quite good, isn't he? Um, I mean, he he really seems to in the last month or. So, so be finding um, not just the goal scoring form, which had actually started happening a bit before that, but a, a, a kind of a sense of a role within this team. You know, the, a, a, a role in which he combines better with teammates than perhaps he was doing before. Where we've talked about this in in the last three or four weeks in the pod. Uh, you know, there's just the whole that sense that things are kind of falling into place. And of course, what happened on Sunday was that while Messi wasn't on the pitch, it sort of felt like actually maybe those pieces aren't in place mm. anymore. Um, it wasn't just Messi, of course. It was Frankie de Jong who then had to come on because of the injury to Araujo and, and went and played at centre, central defence. And it was also Pedri who who didn't come on until until later in the game. Um, but but Barcelona's response was good. I mean, it was a much better game as well once Messi came on, wasn't it? Because it actually got a little bit chaotic and it was it was quite open. And and this is where I still have doubts about Barcelona because I just want about the better teams against them given how open they are how how often they'll be able to 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 play that way against teams that you know that basically control the game better and understand it better but they uh it, it was it was a lot of fun at weekend I thought I thought Messi played brilliantly Dembélé made a lot happen and of course we got a winning goal from from Trincao who just as last I mean th- I think it was Thursday's podcast in fact weren't we? we were talking about whether whether or not he actually does anything Trincao and and, and here we are he he did something really Quite significant. Yeah, you're talking about our bonus podcast, which we do every Thursday on patreon.com forward slash TSFP, in which I was suggesting that Trincao, he always feels like he's just on the verge of doing something really brilliant. And you said, yeah, but he never does. But he did. And then this time he did. And and that's, <laughs> go, I mean, that's going to be really important. Um, Kuman said that he felt that it was good for Trincao to have scored, that, that kind of psychologically, emotionally, that, that, that will be very beneficial. Trincao um, spoke and actually he was... Quite interesting because he basically said something along like I can't remember the exact quote. I haven't got it in front of me. I was uh, I was I was looking at it earlier on. He said something along the lines of, "I didn't need the goal." You know, so obviously normally mm. a player would say, "Well, you know, this is very good for me." Or so he said, "Well, yeah, it's good. And I'm very pleased, but I didn't need the goal." Um, you know, so I, I guess it's his way of trying to say, you know, 
don't assume that I was really struggling. Don't assume that, that, that emotionally I wasn't in a good place or, or whatever it may be. Um, and, and all in all, you know, if he can start to contribute as well, and I don't think he's going to start very often for Barcelona, but if he can contribute and come off the bench and, and, and have an impact, then that's really, really significant. The one thing I guess I would say to that is that look at the goal. Um, he comes in off the right mm-hmm. on his left foot and he smacks it in the corner from the right side of the area of his left foot. There's someone else who does quite a lot of that at Barcelona, and that is that little number 10. And so you think that unless Messi is playing as started to happen in this game off the front, or even as that kind of um, creative number 10 with three players in front of him, which happened a little bit as they were chasing the game in the cup in midweek, when, when you know they, they, they basically played Messi as a midfielder and everyone in front of him. Unless that's happening, you, you can't help but look at it and think, I'm not really sure... Um, where where Trincao fits if Messi's on the pitch. Were you surprised to see Kuman quite obviously prioritise the Copa del Rey semi-final? Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. Um, uh, I, was, I wasn't because he said before this game, but because he'd already said it, uh, I think before the Cup quarter-final, when he'd made that remark that said, we're not in a, uh, we, you know, we're not in a condition to, to win very much this year. Hmm. And he then followed that up by saying, and the Copa del Rey is the shortest route towards a trophy. And he said that exact phrase again this weekend, not the one about not being in a position to win anything, because I think right now, given how good a run Barcelona are on, I think there's a slight sense of trying to row back from that declaration now, of saying, actually, let's not talk ourselves out of the league just yet. But he did reinforce the idea and say again, that idea of the cup being the shortest route. And so given the immediacy of the cup semi-final... Um, given the fact that they've played, is it three extra times in the last month? I think it's I think four. As well, I think it might even be four. I think you're right, yeah. As well as everything else, because uh, it's well, Real Sociedad, Barcelona, sorry, Real Sociedad Athletic, Athletic Club, Granada. Oh, and Cornea. Yeah. And Cornea, yeah. yeah. Um, then, then given that, I think he knows he has to. I guess he would have thought, well, you know, there's always the chance to bring other players on. Probably would have thought we could beat... Betis anyway and I, I suppose as well even if he doesn't admit that the league title is gone may feel it is and may feel that even if it isn't we're still only in what is it week 22 mm-hmm. um, and so the cup is you know the cup is right on top of them whereas the but, league isn't yet I mean there are still 50 points in play or more than 50 points yes, in there play are. in the league you know yeah. still it's not that over said, yet it's, it's, it's 50 points in play but in which in, but in which time you've got haul back 10 so it's not right? it's not impossible, you know. It's not it's impossible. not impossible, but but you you've got you've got to make up, uh, uh, you know, you've got to make up a fifth of the points available. Yeah, keep listening to that's, the podcast. The league isn't finished. Keep listening that's to a, this podcast. That's a big that's a big yeah. ask. No, yeah. I'm not saying it is finished. In fact, in fact, I think if if Atletico don't win tonight, and I think it's plausible that they don't win tonight, I think tomorrow we'll look at the table and think, all right, this looks slightly different now. Yeah, okay. Well, try not to make too many references to tonight's game because people are, <laughs> <laughs> A, we look silly and B, people are listening on Tuesday. Yes, so, that is true. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Do, do, you not, do you not get the feeling that with Barca, that even though defensively they, they remain um, susceptible, particularly with, with Piquet out and now Araujo seeming like he's going to be out for, for a while, but they, they can outscore almost everyone. When, when yeah, got they every, can. You know, that front yeah. three with... Uh, Griezmann, Messi, and, and and Dembele, you've got that much firepower. They 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 must feel that they can they can outscore teams. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Which is why my doubts about them are uh, are against the better sides. Mm. You know, the sides that that either are better equipped to defend, or 
if Barcelona are effectively seeing, okay, let's trade bro- blows, you know, let, let's let's swing punches and keep swinging punches and see who lands more of them. Obviously, Barcelona will land more than just about everyone. But if they were up against, as they are in the Champions League, for example, up against Paris Saint-Germain, if you play an open game against Paris Saint-Germain, well, that's Mbappe and, and, and Neymar running at you. It's slightly different than doing that, with the greatest of respect, against Betis or, or even against Real Madrid, to be honest. Mm. You know, these are teams... And so, so that's, where, that's where my doubt would be. I also think, I guess, you know, the question is as well, if defensively... If Varaujo's not out for too long, and if PK can be back in the not-too-distant future, maybe, maybe they can find a way through this. I also, I don't know about you, I, I still have my doubts about why is Mingetha playing at right-back? And I wonder if that's because Kuman is looking at it and thinking, well, we're defensively a little bit weak, so I don't want to have another attacking fullback. Mm. I only want one of them. But then that does pose questions about why he was so determined to get Dest in the summer. But they spent money on Dest. Well, given that he said at the time that he desperately needed a striker, or Dest brutally needed a striker, yeah. then, um, then, then, then why wasn't that money employed in, in well, Memphis Depay was the, was the target at the time, rather than in Dest? I guess you don't know how the season's going to play out. You don't know what's going to come next. And, and actually, it's to Koeman's credit, I think, that he's been willing to change things. Yeah, he's been willing to try things and think this doesn't work. Okay, I'm going to try try something else. And I think some managers see that as a sign of weakness and, and don't like backing down. Kuman seems to me to have been unexpectedly flexible, mm. and 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 I think that's probably a good thing. I mean, I think Mingetha was third choice centre back for Barca B last yeah. season, so not many people would have imagined him playing a role at right back with the first team too much this season. No, that's true. Know. That is true. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's Betis Barca. If there's something that we've missed, send us a question. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's Q&A pod uh, for patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. On to, on to Real Madrid and their victory at Wesker. Of course, they were without a number of players. I think it was eight players uh, who, uh, who, who who missed this game, most noticeably uh, Sergio Ramos, who's out for, we think, about six weeks after surgery uh, on his knee. Edin Hazard, of course, with another muscular injury uh, that he's picked up, adding to the list of the likes of Danny Carvajal, Lucas Vasquez, Fede Valverde, uh, Rodrigo. Uh, Isco missed this game as well. There were there were only <laughs> four outfield players on the bench for Real Madrid. And those, those four were Marcelo, Mariano Diaz, Marvin... And Victor Chust, uh, the two Castilla players on there. So big, big problems for Real Madrid in terms of injuries. There were only 17 players in the in the matchday squad, but they got on with it and uh, managed to get this uh, victory uh, at the ha- at uh, at Wesker. And uh, the big performances coming from Varane, but also. Thibaut Courtois with another big, big save. I thought Marco Asensio uh, had a had a role to play, in, and also Casemiro. Yeah, I mean Casemiro. I always feel like Casemiro always does. In, in, if you look at the games over the last, what would you say, eighteen months, maybe two years, in which Real Madrid have kind of found a way back in, it feels to me like it's always been Casemiro, and it was this time. Mm. I know Varane is the one that finishes it off, but Casemiro is the one that gets the head of. That leads to the second goal for Varane. I, I, I look back at those games in Germany. I think it's the two-two in Germany. It's Casemiro that leads them back into it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I feel like he's really, really important. I really loved, by the way, what what Alvaro, the Wesker goalkeeper, said about Thibaut Courtois' save. Did you hear that after the game? And he, no. he said he, he was asked, "Did you see Courtois' save?" 
And he said, well, more than see it, I heard it. <laughs> and that tells you something about it, about, you know, the strength of the arm, how hard it's hit. And by the way, uh, Alvaro himself made a handful of, of very yeah. good saves, including one that absolutely hammered his chest. Mm. Like, it made a really big thudding noise. Um, and Courtois was, was absolutely vital then. Um, you know, when, when Wesker score, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in four minutes they have a goal, a shot against the bar and a Courtois save. Mm. I think that's right. Um, I didn't think all that much of Real Madrid in this game, to be honest with you. Is that what you tweeted saying that you saw this game differently to some of the commentary that you were hearing? Yes, yes. Mm. Uh, I, I think it was this... Uh, hang on, maybe maybe it wasn't this game. Was it during this game? So I, think many it, I think you're probably right. So many tweets. Yeah, I know, exactly. I think you're right. Um, I, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this is a really good performance from Madrid or, or and you know, showed real character. And there was a little bit of me... I mean, maybe I'm harsh on Real Madrid because... Well, because it's Real Madrid and, and I sort of expect too much and the expectations possibly set the bar higher than it should be. Uh, and, and probably the same is true of the way I look at Barcelona as well. But I didn't think that this was... You know, you're right. I mean, it's curious, actually. You look at the midfield three. Madrid mm. have got a midfield three who've played really well this season. Yeah. It's all around them that the team yeah. is falling apart. That midfield three is all three of them have been really quite good this year. Um, but I didn't feel like this was a Madrid performance to be kind of confident about. Uh, I didn't think I don't it was think, nec- I don't think anyone was particularly confident about it. <laughs> no, OK. But Maybe I'm not even not sure word. it was necessarily a, a, a fantastic demonstration of character, to be honest. Okay. They, they scored two goals from set plays. They don't create masses. Oh, they that. had lots of chances, Sydney. They had lots of but chances. I don't, but I think the clearest chances in this game were Wesker's. No, nah, but um, ben, Benzema the had that one that he smashed at the Benzema has a couple. Um, Asensio has one. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, in the context of playing away at the at the bottom side, who have won two games in twenty one matches, and um, yeah, <laughs> although they are improving, um, mm. I think. And and Pacheta was very clear post game. Although actually, he's been saying this from the start, and I haven't always agreed with him. This time, I think I did. And he said, he said, what I feel is that what we've done. Today, how do you how do you translate this into Spanish into English? Nos da, lo que hacemos nos da. Like what we're doing is good enough. Yeah. This 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 will be good enough. This this will be good enough. We were unfortunate today. Madrid got um got kind of a couple of things, a couple of key moments went their way. A couple of key moments maybe didn't go ours. But in terms of performance, this is good enough. And I think he's probably right. The the difficulty with that from Wesker's point of view, of course, is we've been saying this all season. Mm. Now, I think they have changed with him. Not least, they've changed the formation. It's free at the back. They're a little bit tighter. I think they're probably a bit more direct and a bit more aggressive now. Um, but the sort of the discourse of, yeah, but this is better than it looks. Yeah. Yeah, but it has been for more or less all 22 games of the season. Mm. And just going back to Real Madrid then and this and this injury crisis. Um, I mean, I'm using the word crisis. There are a lot of key players that are out. It really is a lot. I guess the one thing I would say is that if you, I mean, certainly the weekend, you look at the starting eleven, and I think the weakness is better expressed by the way you expressed it mm. by looking at the bench. bench. Look how little there is on the bench. Mm. If you look at the starting eleven, I didn't look at the weekend starting eleven. And think, God, that's really weak. No, I looked at the weekend starting eleven and thought, with the with the exception of Odri Othola, that's a pretty strong side. Mm. I don't think there's too much wrong with Nacho. Uh, I know, obviously, look, Ramos is a big loss. We all know that. Um, but I don't think there's too much wrong with Nacho, and 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 as I say, all right, other I follow it right back. But with time, you know, he's he's you know he's a player who they signed for thirty million euros who come oh, from Real Madrid. He's injured now as well. Very so. well. 
Well, he's injured now as well. So, um, and I think in a way that the problem with Madrid was about the volume rather than about the starting eleven. Although obviously mm. with time, you can't keep playing the same starting eleven. Although Zidane does seem to be keen to do that, certainly with his midfield free, doesn't he? Yeah, let's see. Let's see if uh, any players from the uh, the youth team get get some minutes in the next few matches or so. They've got a, a midweek game against Getafe tomorrow night. That was a, a rearranged fixture. Oh, I've forgotten from, about that. Yeah, from yeah. match day one. So um, let's see what what side is uh, is selected uh, for uh, for that game. There, Real Madrid, as as we know, in a similar situation to uh, Barcelona in terms of of points behind Atletico Madrid. I don't think either of them have quite given up on the league. Yet, and as we know, their their status obliges them to to keep yeah. going for a little bit more. But but let's see, let's see if um if they're still ten thirteen points behind uh, Atletico Madrid in in six or seven weeks' time, and they're still in the Champions League. Let's see whether or not they start prioritising at the Champions League in terms of in terms of team selection. Um, shall we talk about uh, Sevilla and the bad yeah. bad tempered three nil victory over over Getafe? Uh, Getafe who uh, this is fact, not uh, not opinion. Fact: they are the side with the most number of uh, yellow cards in La Liga this season and the most fouls committed as well. Uh, it was part of their identity that mm, has been forged under Jose Bordalas, and it has um, served them very well in terms of success. But this season, it's it's not working for them. This season, they're the lowest scorers in La Liga, Sydney. They've only got 17 goals in 21 games and they've failed to score in 10 matches. They've failed to score in nearly half of the games that they've played. They had a couple of chances against Sevilla. There was a a header in the first half, I think. But really, I mean, there wasn't much at all. And ultimately, this was relatively comfortable for Sevilla, although the goals came in the last 25 minutes. Yeah, I know. I think that's right. I think think although, although the goals came late, I think it did feel relatively comfortable. I'm just, just looking at the... At this year's guidebook, in terms of the, you know the players that they signed, um, because I, I personally still think, and we, we mentioned this uh, the other day, I, I still think that the departure of Molina was really significant to them. Not necessarily just because of the goals that he scored, but because of the way that they played and the way that they looked to them and try and play through through him as someone that, that brings others into the game. Um, but then you you know you, you look at a squad that's still got Jaime Mata, that's still got Angel, and then in the summer. They also signed Cucho Hernandez to play up front, Enis Unal to play up front, even even Mollejo, who they who they had from from Atletico Madrid. Of course, this is a club that that a year ago signed Jack Harper as well. Um, and I, I look at it, and, and you look at the list of players. They obviously they lost Davis, who actually in some ways I think was probably quite a good Getafe style player, sort of a wind up merchant, very very um, very mobile, very very kind of enthusiastic. But I, I was looking at it thinking. And because partly because I hadn't noticed this until until it was too late. Well, not that I could have done anything about it, but do you know what I mean. Not not noticed it until the season started. But them losing Hugo Duro to Real Madrid to play in the Castilla team, I think slightly weird hmm. because I think there were times last year where you thought, okay, this guy can get first team minutes at Getafe, and I'm not sure what it is that they didn't see in him. Um, but in, in in theory, at least, I look at the Getafe squad and think they shouldn't necessarily find it this difficult to create chances uh, and to score goals. They've obviously now added Kubo. They're playing Alenia sort of off the front in a, in a kind of a 4-2-3-1. He's sort of off the front, so there's a little bit of creativity there. But but it does feel like they, they, they don't create chances in part, I guess, because just they are the team that they are, you know, they're, they're built to do different things. But one of the things that I kept on insisting in a pod when they were chasing that Champions League place was that they'd actually learned, I think, or maybe not learned, decided to attack. 
And when in those final weeks of the season, it wasn't enough to draw and they had to win games. Mm-hmm. They were really good at chasing games down, at playing all of their forwards on the pitch, at playing Ancha wide right or even Jaime Mata wide right, having two forwards as well. And this year, they just seem to be incapable of doing that. I think, um, and it's intuitive as much as it's in, based on hard information, although there are elements of this, this sort of little sort of glimpses you get of things. I think that the relationship there is broken, not broken, is, is, is not the same between Bordelas and his players, between Bordelas and the club, that just there's sort of a sense of things drifting a little bit. You know, not to the extent of this being a total disaster, but, it, to, but just to it not being what it once was. Mm. And I guess part of the question will be, what can they get out of Kuba and Alenia now? And, and can those two really make a difference? Mm. Um yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. Um, uh, there were suggestions, quite a lot of suggestions, that uh, Bordelas might have left uh, last uh, summer, but then mm. nobody really came in for him. So. Well, that's it. I mean, to be honest, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's absolutely the truth. That you know, this was a guy who'd done something extraordinary, I think, and and you know, huge amount of credit to him what he'd done at Getafe. But I think a combination of the fact that. Frankly, a lot of big clubs in Europe, well, not the big clubs, the medium clubs, because you he's not going to expect to go to a big club, think, well, Getafe, so what? Maybe the way that he played, a slight maybe lack of trust in him. Within Spain, possibly the right clubs weren't available. So obviously, you know, where would he think was a step up from there? Someone like, I guess, someone like an Athletic or a Sevilla or a Villarreal or, a, uh, you know, that sort of level or a Valencia, for example. And none of those were... Well, Valencia actually were. You know, you look back on it and think maybe Valencia would have been the place where he'd have fitted most. But but again, within Spain, I think there is something about his reputation which actually doesn't do him any favours. Uh, both he and uh, Julian Lopetegui were sent off for a confrontation on the touchline following that awful challenge from Genet, which left Ocampos uh, injured. Who, who, who would your money be on? What in a fight between uh, those two? Borderless, I think. I because I th- yeah, because I think he'd be more sneaky. I think he'd be. I think he'd fight dirty. I, just, I think Julian's bigger and stronger. I think he's but bigger I think and stronger. Would fight, would fight yeah. dirty. I think he's yeah. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, in terms of the argument, yeah. um, Lopetegui was the one that was probably more out of order mm. in terms of the actual argument, and he was one that apologised afterwards. Mm. Um, what happened was that they brought uh, Lucas Campos over on a stretcher, and he said um, they've destroyed, they destroyed my leg. Destroyed my leg, yeah. Yeah, they've destroyed my leg. And Lopetegui was leaning down, talking to him, and basically looked up. And um, as Spanish swearing dictates, he then defecated on the prostitute mother of the general direction of the Getafe bench. I don't know if it was specifically about Bordelas, to which, of course, Bordelas reacted really badly Mm. and said, how dare you, and tried to get to him and tried to fight with him. And then they were separated, and Bordelas called him a cabron, which is quite literally a billy goat, but means quite a lot more than that. Uh, Bordelas then defecated in a couple of things as well. But it was Lopetegui afterwards who said... um, Who said... The manager of Sevilla can't behave like that. Yes, exactly. He said sorry. Bordelas didn't. Bordelas said, you know, he he had a go at me for no reason. All I'd done was go to see if the player was okay. I'm going to be honest and say, I think in the context of... This specific moment, Bordelas is probably telling the truth. He probably did check to see if he was all right. But the context that goes around it is he's there protesting to the referee, saying he clearly got the ball, he clearly got the ball, why are you having a go to the referee or to the fourth official? And, of course, the other broader context, which I, I suspect will have informed the way that Lopetegui responded, is exactly what we've just been talking about. Mm. That awareness from other managers that Bordelas' team 
teams are really, really tough. Mm. And, and so the, these kind of tackles, while I don't think they're necessarily deliberate, they are, I suppose, contextually plausible. Is that, is, that, is that the right way of expressing it? Contextually plausible, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, that said, I felt a little tiny bit sorry for Jene. And I'll explain why. I think it's awful. And I think he comes over, studs up, and goes right on the ankle of, of, um, of our campus. But the one thing I will say is he comes across the ball side-footed and he gets the ball. And he doesn't just kind of get the ball and follow through. He gets the ball actually playing the ball, if you mm. something, with the inside of his foot. And then it kind of carries on. And I don't think think there's any intent there but it's a really nasty the way the way it happens is really nasty and you're right the good news is it looks like the injury may not be as serious as we first thought because we genuinely looking at it thought oof that's broken ankle territory absolutely a uh, hugely important player uh, Lucas Ocampos is for uh, Sevilla Papu Gomez made his debut and scored yeah we're expecting to see lots more goals from him do we know where he's going to play I mean well, he was asked a little bit about this because he played um, off the front and mm. then he dropped into the middle. And he said that, that that he'd sort of effectively been asked to do that, to kind of take hold of the ball and keep the ball and come into the middle. And I guess that's what we'll see from him. I suppose the problem will be, particularly for a manager like Lopetegui, who's so conscious, on, conscious about structure and so keen on structure, will Lopetegui be perhaps a little bit uneasy about having a player whose position isn't that fixed? Hmm. who, if he plays at the front, may drift into midfield. And if he's in midfield, may drift up to the front. Uh, and we've seen that he hasn't always found a place for for Mudo, uh, Mudo Vazquez, who is sort of similar in some ways. I mean, I'm not saying as good. Um, so I just wonder whether that might be occasionally problematic. But he looks like he's a very nice player and he scored a very good goal. Big deflection, admittedly. He did his dance, which is a Papu Gomez thing. And he said after the game, not many of them joined in. Uh, I, I thought Sevilla's players were a bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> Give them time, Papu. Give them time. If Give you keep time, scoring exactly. like that, they'll all be dancing. I'm, uh, Absolutely, I'm sure. they will. Uh, before we go, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple of your brilliant interviews in the last few days, Sydney. You've been a busy, busy boy. Obviously, you drove all the way down to Murcia uh, the other week to speak to, <laughs> yeah. to speak to Royston Drenta to watch him to watch him warm the bench. If you Gone the week later, you would have scored him, seen him score a goal. But he scored know, a goal. He scored a yeah, goal sc- at the weekend. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't read it, make sure you read Sid's uh, piece on on Royston Drenthal, which was a, uh, an absolutely fantastic read. And yeah, you you must be happy for him to have, to have scored that goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the week before when he didn't he didn't play, he didn't get on the pitch at all, and um, and and you know he wasn't happy about that. Obviously, he 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 bit his tongue and he accepted it, and and that was I think part of the point in a way this this idea that once upon a time he wouldn't have accepted that um but then he started he didn't just play this weekend he started against Lorca and he and he scored um and and I'm sure that's that's gonna be good for him I honestly don't know what the plan is as I understand it they have a place for him to go next the next stage but I guess that playing at Rathing Morthia is a way of demonstrating that you can be fully fit that you can get back into the routine of playing football and given that I don't know, but suspect that that he sees this. I mean, in a, that he really does see this as a job. Then, for it to be a job and it, for it to be worthwhile and for it to be well paid enough to be something that you that you you know you go and pursue properly. My and given that I'm assuming, but maybe unfairly, that he couldn't play in a top division in Spain or in England. I guess that he goes to goes back to the Middle East, maybe. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, just in case you haven't uh, read the article and not quite aware of the context, Royston Drenthe, of course, former Real Madrid and Everton uh, midfielder, currently playing in 
Rathing Murcia, which is the regionalised third division of Spanish football. It's the fourth tier, but really it's more like the 28th to 106th tier. It's uh, yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's a long way down. It's a long, yeah. long way down. It's not even, it's borderline semi-professional. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great story that, that Sid's written. So go and check that out. Also, uh, read his uh, very entertaining. I mean, the, the Guardian should pay us here because I'm just sending people to the, <laughs> to the website. But you've done a very good interview with... Uh, with Jordan Holsgrove, who a, a, a listener asked about him on the uh, yeah. Patreon Q&A pod a couple of weeks ago. We you see, you know, ask, we answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't know. So you actually, you literally phoned him up and did, a, did an interview with him to find out a mm. bit more. Um, he seems like a, a player who's got an incredible amount of um, natural ability. Uh, he, he's... He's, he's made a big move here, coming here and, uh, and yeah. you know, staying here in a difficult time. Obviously, he mentioned in that interview how difficult it is for him. By the way, this is Jordan Holsgrove, who's a Scottish under-21 uh, international, who's playing at Celta Vigo, uh, initially signed for their B team, having been on loan at Atletico Baleares uh, last season. He's, uh, he's at Celta. He's played for them in La Liga. He's played for them in the Copa del Rey. He scored in their Copa del Rey defeat at Ibiza. And he seems to be enjoying himself, even though he's here on his own. Yeah, and, and I think you know the main thing from his point of view, and and he's clearly very focused. He he struck me as as very bright, um, very sensible. He the the main thing obviously is that he's getting minutes now. And I don't know if you would. I mean, there's no reason why you would have done. But the sporting director at Celta last week was asked about signings, um, obviously because the the window was coming to an end. And the curious thing was he was actually asked about signings. He started talking about the need to buy a central midfielder. Or to, to, or to promote a central midfielder for the B team. And because the point he made was, because it's quite clear now that Jordan is becoming a first-team player. And I think that's, that's obviously the most important thing at this point, is the opportunity in the first team. So as you say, he comes on against um, Ibiza and he scores. Uh, they get beaten, so on one level at least it's not a great great thing, this because to get beaten by a the B team and get beaten heavily as well. They conceded five goals. Um but he scores a brilliant goal. He then plays the whole of the second half against Villarreal. Again, they get beaten heavily. Yeah, but, he yeah. but, he, but he plays very, very well. He got the last half an hour against Granada. And he's in the squad for the Atletico Madrid game. He moves the ball really, really well. He's, he's very nice in possession. He turns very smoothly. He, he sees himself as a number eight. So a, a kind of a technical player, but with, with quite a lot of energy, quite a lot of ability to get up and down. I think long term, he sees himself as being one of a two-man midfield with three in front of them. So a slightly deeper and slightly more central role. And um, he's, he's clearly in, in very physical, good physical condition. He was saying that the statistics showed that when he was at Atletico Baleares, even though he was a technical player, the statistics show that his kilometres coverage was, was, was higher than just about anyone else in the team as well. Um, and he's he he looks like he's going to be a, a really nice player, as you say. The main thing is just just having the nerve to do it, mm. because this comes from having been at Atletico Baleares, obviously in Silver Nabi, at a time when when Reading, who was the club he was owned by at the time, although they've now sold him to Celta, this isn't a loan deal, um, were, were were saying you're not going to get many minutes, and and it's it's worked very well for him. Yeah, and the, um, the sort of the final line in the interviews, you know, can you could you see yourself playing a your whole career in Spain? And he seems to be quite up for the idea. So uh, let's yeah. see, let's see how uh, how he progresses. But there we go. That is the kind of service we provide to our patrons. You ask a question, <laughs> we don't know it. Sid goes and writes a three thousand word piece for the Guardian about it. Just to, just to be complete so uh, so there we go um we've uh, come to the end of today's uh, podcast we're not even going to mention the segunda because it was an awful weekend so let's not even talk yeah, about it good, good decision uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, well, Mallorca, top of the table, they won 1-0 at, at Albacete. In second place, Almeria drew 1-1 at Fuenlabrada. Espanyol can overtake them if they beat Lugo uh, this evening. Um, this week, we've got the Copa del Rey semi-final first leg. Wednesday night, Sevilla against Barca. Barca. Thursday night, Athletic against Levante. And as previously mentioned, Real Madrid playing on Tuesday evening uh, in La Liga against Getafe. And there's a clip of our latest TSFP Presents Fabulous Foreigners, which is out now here on the Monday podcast feed. We uh, discussed our favourite players from all the countries we hadn't yet covered in the series. For the full episode and previous ones on Brazil, the Netherlands, Uruguay, Germany, France, Argentina, Portugal, and literally dozens of hours more backlog content, archive content, join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. If not, don't worry, we'll be here as ever, as we always are on Mondays. Adios. Cheerio. Thank you.